We're going back for another visit to Nathoth. This is the Ice Planet Podcast. I am Danny, and we're about to head into a discussion of book three, Barbarian Lover, aka Kira's book, aka the one with the bone dildo. Um, I like to include the character in a plot point because after working on this podcast for, I mean, it's only been live for a few weeks, but I've been working on it for a few months. And at this point, some of these books sort of blur together if you just go by title alone. Barbarian Lover, Barbarian Alien. I had noticed in last week's episode, I may have promoted this one with the wrong title. Apologies, this is Barbarian Lover. Yes, I clearly just said it and I've already forgotten. Um, so I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. Before we head to that, though, I want to take care of some business. As always, thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast and interacting on Twitter, mainly on Twitter. I was about to say online, but it's really only Twitter. Um, you can find me and all the fun times at Ice Planet Pod. Um, I like to post questions and things. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you can also, if you're not on Twitter, you can send your feedback to contact at iceplanetpod.com. I'll check that too. I'm trying to think if there's any other business we need to take care of. Oh, the question for this episode. Duh. So I took to Twitter and I asked everyone the same question I have been asking all of my podcast guests. What would your role on the ice planet be? How would you contribute to the good of the tribe? And there were some great answers. So great many of you all sort of fell into one of three things. You said you talked with the cooking, the sewing, or the food gathering, um, which, you know, solid. Those are the things that need to get done around here. Um, a few of you got a bit more creative, though, and those are the, some of the ones I wanted to share. Um, at Lady of Cheese said, I'm sure figuring out how to make the Visti fur into yarn and knitting some cabled sweaters for these dudes. I like this for two reasons. One, I cannot believe no one on that planet has thought of taking some of the Divisti fur and spinning it into yarn before now, making some kind of fiber to use as yarn or thread so we're not wearing leather all season. It just seems like it would just be a natural progression of living on this land. Second, I also just really love the idea of these big blue aliens in <laughs> some cable knit sweaters, maybe a matching hat. Like, it's, it's kind of great. I love it. So next... We had at Tall and Diabolical. She said, they don't have a historian yet or a musician. Maybe put the two together and be a bard. And that's on to something because, listen, there is nothing to do on this planet but fucking be cold. It, like, you can't do that all day. So we need some creative types to provide entertainment in the form of singing, storytelling, acting. I mean, otherwise, everyone's just going to sit there and go stare crazy. Have you ever read Station Eleven by, I think it's Emily St. John Mandel? And it's basically, basically the book follows this troupe of um, actors who go from town to town performing Shakespeare in a post-apocalyptic earth where like 90% of the population has been killed off by this disease. And their motto sort of is um, because survival is not sufficient. I really love that angle on like apocalyptic and, you know, these sort of back to basics sort of stories where it's like, we're still going to have pop culture. We're still going to be singing songs and st telling stories. That is what it means to be human. So I really like that answer. We had at Lola Milner, she said, artisan, let's start weaving and knitting y'all, but also let's permit those not potatoes. <laughs> and this one was a very popular answer. She got a bunch of responses and like, I'm on board for finding out a way to make not Hoth, not vodka. Like again, we need something to do. 
these people do also love to party and you got to start providing more options, provide that sasa. We don't know what's in that sasa either. So, you know, maybe it's not everyone's jam. I don't like rum. I do like vodka. You know, we have to have options. And lastly, <laughs> this is probably the most practical answer I received from at Maze of Grace. She said, I'm a flight attendant and in my downtime, I read or play video games. I would have to try my hand at everything and figure it out. And honestly, yes, um, there needs to be some kind of Ice Planet Apprentice rotation program where you can just sign up, try all of the things and see what sticks. Um, are you really meant to be a tanner? Maybe, maybe you excel as a, you know, hunter. Who knows? You've got to get out there and try it. So I'm here for this answer. I also just like the idea of an Ice Planet rotation program where you spend maybe six weeks doing each thing and then you get... <laughs> And then you get evaluated at the end and assigned your role. Um, okay, that's enough goofing off. You didn't come here to hear me talk to myself about hypothetical ice planet jobs. You came to hear a discussion. So again, this week I am joined by Isabel of Romance Sparks Joy. She's also a booktuber whose channel name is Happy For Now. So be sure to check that out. And um, she also, spoiler alert, has a great idea of what <laughs> the Sakui's junk might actually look like. So stay tuned because you're going to find out and it's, it's pretty accurate. So listen in, enjoy, and I'll be here when you get through. that's its name um my name is danny and this is a podcast where we reread the entire ice planet barbarian series and then i discuss it with the guest this week or episode my guest is isabel from i pronounced that right correctly yeah you're good yes um uh, <laughs> i don't know what that sentence was this is isabel of <laughs> romance sparks joy good morning isabel good morning how I'm are so you excited i'm good i'm just like beyond excited <laughs> i'm it's disgusting how excited and happy I am to do this series. Look, so. these read-along podcasts have been, like, a great joy in my life, and adding the Ice Planet Ruby <laughs> Dixon world to it is just the best thing ever. I don't, like, I don't know how no one's done it before. Like, I feel like every time I read something, I have to find someone and be like, have you seen this shit? Like, we gotta talk about this. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, she's from Romance Sparks Joy. It's a website, correct? There's yeah, there a podcast? Yeah, um, so we started on Twitter, and we have a website as well, and we're here to amplify the voices of underrepresented authors. So, you name it, if they're not represented, we're trying to amplify. We do a monthly book club. On Twitter, we give away books to people who can't afford them. Like, if we're doing a book club pick, we always give away, like, I think three to five, depending on the price of the book. Um, we do author interviews. We read all the Rita picks of by the women of color that got nominated this year. I'm trying to think. That's like, we awesome. just do those sort of things. Like, we, we, it's basically a book club, but for basically, like, you know, not... Nora Roberts <laughs> and yeah, you know yeah. those authors that you're just like always seeing so we're just trying to elevate them I saw the giant spreadsheet you all are putting together and I got really excited so I can't wait to see the culmination of all that yes there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes it's a very fun project I know we have one other member of it is going to be on this too so yes so that'll be exciting so, yeah, yeah and 
So let's get into discussing the book. Just a little background information. We read book three, Barbarian Lover. I believe it's not possessive. Barbarian Lover. Um, Kira's book, um, a.k.a. the one with the bone dildo, as I refer uh-huh. to it. Uh-huh. Um, so how did you get into, because you said there's a good story. I want to know how you got into, how you discovered Ruby Dixon, the Ice Planet Barbarians, the whole universe. So now Bestie, former work wife, uh, was like kind of shit talking romance And I, like, kind of was like, no, 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 you need to try it. And I started, like, shoving some books at her. And she was like, I really want to read a... Her husband's blonde. So she wanted to read a blonde hero. Okay. And couldn't find one. And she's on Hoopla. And she found one of the dragon books. (laughs) (laughs) And it, like... She was, like, dipping her toe in and kind of into romance. And then she read that. And she was like, have you read Ruby Dixon? And I was like, no... And she's like, well, let me tell you about this post-apocalyptic dragon world. And I was like, this is like your fourth romance book. What happened? <laughs> she died. She dove in. Literally, like, her bread and butter is dragon shifters now. And I think it's the funniest, like, intro to romance. But then she went to Ice Planet and she was like, you have to read these. And thus I read them and I was just like who is Ruby Dixon? I need to meet this woman. I need to know her real identity. And, but like, not actually, because I know she like wants to be anonymous, but you know what I mean? I'm like, I need to know who you are. Where did this come from? Yeah, that's what a thing that's come up a lot are people are like, I just want to ask her how she came up with this because Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's ingenious. Like the whole way the world is set up, it's just kind of like perfect romance fodder. 100%. Speaking, I just wanted to say on the Dragon series, that's the one... I do like how her aliens like are sort of all like converge together because the mm-hmm. the dragons show up in the Ice Home series. I don't know if you've gotten that far. No. But the dragons are the only one I think I can't get down with just because they all have that same communication issue where like no one can understand each other. Is that how that one works? Like I feel like the first Yes, they all can't understand each other. It's so it's annoying kind of i'm not gonna lie but they're just banana just like these they're banana pants and you just like they are you start on it and you're like what how again i cannot believe like her like big dive into romance was dragon shifters she went zero to like 10 (laughs) i know i was like what is going on but like she's a full convert now like we've gone to events together we we're going to kiss con next year like all of it so i'll be at kiss con so i'll see you there Yes, we will. But for sure. Like, I just, it's funny. Like, I don't, it's, yeah. And then in the Romance Sparks Joy uh, uh, Discord, where, like, all the admins, we talk, we were talking about this podcast, and one of the people was like, what are you talking about? And three of us started screaming about these books. And then she started reading them. (laughs) And now she's on the train, too. She's on, like, book two. Awesome. In, like, three days. Let's spread the word. And I was just like, this series, it's just, you know, it's the best way to bring people to romance. It really is. It doesn't take itself too seriously. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun. It's got some earnestness that you wouldn't expect to be there. Because I've read some other Alien series, and they're more like, I think, this one is pretty explicit and plenty plenty erotic, but I feel like Mm -hmm. it also balances it with the, like, feelings and the earnestness and the um, emotion. Oh, for sure. I think this yeah. one is very emotional. So of the yes. first three. So yes. Yeah. So let's, I guess, dive in. So as we said, this is Kira 
Kate's book and her, I hate the word, some of the words in this book, I'll say it, her mate Ahako. Um, we were discussing this before we recorded. Ahako may be my favorite of the aliens. He's my favorite so far. So this yeah. is as far as I've ever made it in the series. It's three. So I've reread the first three books twice now. And I'm going to keep going. I mean, I have to keep going because I yes. have no more. But yes. I just love him. He yes. is like alpha cinnamon roll. He's, yeah, he's so laid back. Like, I remember in Rahush's book, Rahush's book, I can never pronounce his name, when they either. like, where he and Hayden come to like pick them up after they ran off and hid in the cave. And he's just like, yo, bro, we came to pick you. We came to get you. Like, he's so chill about yeah. everything. And then he has that whole conversation with Liz, which has which comes which pays off in this book um and it's just really Thank great he's goodness just, yes <laughs> it pays off yeah he just like i felt like he was like really sweet and he really cares but then when he like needs to be like alpha he is but it's yes. never like out of line i don't know it's just like vectal and rahosh rahosh whatever his name is <laughs> we're very like no this is my mate and we're gonna like this is how this is working and mm-hmm. he's just kind of like I don't know. I really like her. I want to be her mate. Yeah. Let's just hang. Yeah. They're very mine, mine, mine. And he's like, oh, I'll convince her yet. Like, I'll get her one. Yeah. Yeah, I got this. Yeah. He's also very protective. Like, when the the big showdown happens at the end. He's so cute. It is. It was, like, the action in these books, she's not slacking. No, she's not. She includes a good mix of, like, stuff happening in there. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. And I feel like... This book was a nice culmination of, like, the beginning story arc. What mm-hmm. feels like the beginning of the story arc to me. Because, I mean, I, yeah, they had to wrap that up. Like, crash landing on a planet and not knowing if these aliens are coming back was, like, stressing me out in two books. Yeah. yeah. And then it finally happening. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. We're done. We, en- we ended Maybe. that, yeah. She resolved that. <laughs> yeah. So... And then the other, so then we also have Kira, who we learned was the first of all the girls to be abducted for most of the, for all of the first two books and most, or I guess half of this one, she has a, I just thought of it as like a giant satellite dish, just sort of (laughs) stapled to her ear. So I thought it was like a slim hearing aid. Oh, (laughs) we had two different. (laughs) (laughs) I really like the image of a full satellite, like just sticking out. Well, because Vectel at one point, he's like, you lost your shell. And I'm like, this thing must have been huge. So like, yeah. And it's like, not only can she, does it translate everything, but apparently it amplifies everything because this book starts out. Awkward. (laughs) This book starts out with her, like, hearing, like, sex happening in the cave next door. I was dying. I was like, this is so awkward. Oh, my God. Because that cave is just full of people going at it at all times, I imagine. It's like, and then to have to hear it. I just feel like it has to be awkward for everyone, right? Like, you just hear people boning constantly in that cave. They have no privacy. They have no doors. They bathe in the middle of a cave, like, in front of everyone. Like, everyone's seen everyone else naked, I feel like, at this point. (laughs) They had to have. I mean, there's no way. Yeah. You had so, to like, go out there in the middle of the night? Yeah. Maybe? Maybe? <laughs> I don't know if that would even work. And then, like, they're all, all the mated pairs get their own cave, so everyone else is just, like, stacked on top of Sounds each other. Sounds awful. Although, Kira's lucky. She's got that little curtain, you know? She does. She has a that little But she did hutch. not utilize, really, to play with, uh, with her wonderful gift, so... <laughs> yeah, let's get into that. Let's just, <laughs> let's just get there. So... In the previous two books, like, we've known that Ahako has sort of had, like, a flirtatious interest in Kira, and she's sort of been distanced because, distant, she sort of says early on, like, her big concern is, like, she'll 
get with one of the guys and that they'll resonate and she'll be left alone because Mm -hmm. she she says she knows she's not going to resonate because of a appendicitis she had an appendix burst when she was younger which left her sterile so by logic the cooey matches people for children she can't have Mm -hmm. children she'll never resonate so she doesn't want to get close to anyone um so ahako in his attempt to court her presents her with a gift and it's the greatest gift ever it's a great gift i'm trying to feel like should i pull up the line and just read the whole scene because i feel like we should i just want to include like so he pulls her off to the side and he's like i have a courting gift for you and he got the idea for this courting gift from liz the heroine of the previous book who was in a real shit stirring mood she was like in a shit stirring mood for like the entire second half of that book Mm -hmm. and so he presents it to her and so it's from Kira's point of view. And she asks, is this your um penis? He nods proudly. It's a very good likeness. I worked hard to get it just right. Of course, the others think I'm mad for staring at my own cock for hours while I whittle. He shrugs. <laughs> Do you not like it? And he's so proud. <laughs> he's so earnest. And it's just. It's so sweet. But it's the weirdest gift. <laughs> Would you like to read the description of it or should I read the description of it? Oh, you can. I'll read about the kid finding it later. Okay. And so also in Kira's POV, it's a dildo. I stared at it in a mixture of horror and disbelief. It's made of bone and I'm a little terrified of what sort of creature comes with bones this thick. Oh God, I'm blushing. It's really thick though and long. Surely these cannot be the actual dimensions of his penis, but there's no mistaking the heavy crown on the end and the veins tracing the length of his um, equipment. It's definitely a penis. <laughs> there are even ridges along the top, like the ridges along his brow and big muscular arms. And there are even balls attached and something that looks suspiciously like a pinky finger above the cock. Dear Lord, that has to be the spur Liz mentioned. I thought she was making fun of us. <laughs> Turns out, not so much. <laughs> I love how she, in her own head, multiple times goes, it's really a penis. It's actually... I know. But like, okay, come on. Would you not also be like... Oh, this dude just whittled me a fucking dildo? What? Of <laughs> what sounds like a photo accurate. A top- like, can you imagine if modern dating wasn't <laughs> that you got dick <laughs> But they mailed you a dildo they cast. Well, because that's what Liz says, right? It's like, it's like she can test it out and see what the male is working with. And he's, I love how he's so proud. Like, yes, I made this for you. I'm I mean, so proud. That was a lot of work. That is a, that is a scary size amount of dick to whittle out of bone. <laughs> out of bone. Are you sure? It's, it's like, it's a lot. I mean. Oh, I like how, so she follows up with like, so he's like, it's a gift meant for courting and I do intend to court you. You can keep it unless you want to see the real thing. And she's like, I don't want to see your penis. And he goes, are you sure? It's quite a nice one. Look how fine my gift is. He's so, he's so pure and so, and so earnest. And he's literally a cinnamon roll, I feel like. Yes. Like, yes, he gave her a dildo, but like, that is the sweetest way to give someone a dildo I've ever read. Like, I don't know how many dildo gifting books I've read. Guys, this is at eight percent of the book. Like it's only <laughs> this book goes in, and you're like, "Oh damn, okay, we're doing this." I think that's what this book like sold me on the series, like to continue it because of that gift alone. I was like, "Okay, we had payoff for the weirdest suggestion ever." Yes, much less the spur, which like I still am kind of freaked out by. 
I I have I I don't know how I feel about it. So like the sometimes just, I'm like I feel, eh. they say it's like a bone, but I feel like it should be cartilage. It is, and I have because I'm really deep in this series now in the Ice Home series. <laughs> I'm about to nerd out right now in Good. the Ice Home series. One of the characters, um, she asks about it, and one of the other male characters who has one like tries to describe it. She goes like, "Oh, it's like cartilage," and he's like, "Cartilage," and she's like, "The same material that's in my ear." She has him like touch her ear and he's okay. like oh yeah that is what it feels like so it is definitely cartilage okay so. good because bone sounds painful it sounds terrible <laughs> like, like, like like some kind of joint right there it like, sounds terrible <laughs> i just was like oh that does not know um i think the payoff for the dildo gift though is really when she comes back to the home cave Oh, yes. <laughs> and I have this highlighted. Uh, she's playing with a child in the healer's den and literally looks down and she sees the baby playing with the <laughs> In front of everyone. In front of like, yeah, in front of the healer, one of the other girls. And I don't think Ahako's there. Uh, I think her husband, like the healer's husband is there. Yeah. I could be wrong. It was Megan there. Yeah. <laughs> And the baby just pulls it out, and everyone's just like, oh, that's... <laughs> and I just imagine... It's like a t- two- or three-year-old. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, a small tree <laughs> walking around, <laughs> waving this about, and I was just like, this is some shit you see in, like, a mom group somewhere on Facebook, probably, that happens, and I was just like, this is... Like, my mind, I just started literally cackling, like, when I read it the first time, because I could not control myself. I was like... This is amazing. This is also like 12% into the book. Right. Like we are, we have just started and like yeah. we're getting children waving around bow and dildos innocently. <laughs> like, and it's pretty great. Um, I will say so good. this is, it, it's one of my top moments of the whole series. There's another moment that's pretty wild that occurs like in Hayden's book mm-hmm. that I really love that competes with it. But um, this one may actually, in terms of just comedic, Payoff. It's probably the, the this best had one. the best can be. I just did not expect that much humor to come from the gifting process, <laughs> or a small child to then acquire, you know, just pull it out of her bag and just run around with it. Yes, this is surprisingly funny. This is so, giant um, dildo. So, so they get the gift and um, they have. So they're flirting with a bit and they flirt back and forth and they actually have a. They have a big kiss at like during the celebration of one of the girls um, residences Mm -hmm. and right in the middle of the kiss, he's like invited her back to her cave. She like stills in horror because her, her earpiece picks up that the aliens are coming back. Yep. And that's where like the plot really starts to like pick up. I do like how Ahako like sees her face and he's like, I mean, it's not that like (laughs) the idea of going back to my cave that horrifying. And then he realizes, no, there's something else going on. So they've got to get a group together mm-hmm. to go. And she wants to go to the elder's cave, as it's called, to get the earpiece removed. Because her big fear is they can track that earpiece and find the girls. So they get this group together. I bring this up because I want to talk about the scene where Ahako, like, Ahako is very purposeful about who is allowed to come on this trip. Because he doesn't want other other men going and like distracting or trying to steal Kira away. So he goes to Hayden, who for like the first five books of the series is just known as the asshole. It's repeated. Which is part of why I like him. Yeah. I feel like. 
Like every time someone talks about him, they're like, maybe he she just didn't want to hang out with that asshole. Like he is the asshole for like this book to book five. Everyone is just talking about yeah. how big a dick he is. Well, I mean, he literally goes, I'm sitting out here because I didn't want to be talked to. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I really relate to this alien, dude. <laughs> and then like, and then he's like, um, he'll, Hayden will go as long as Josie is not going. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, the, the alien doth protest too much because he's really, he's really making a case about how he just hates Josie. So they get this group together. What do you think of like, have you um, figured out any of the other couples? Because I know I definitely knew Hayden and Josie were coming. I'm curious who Harlow's going to be with. I don't feel like I know that one yet. And oh. I'm excited because I like her. Oh, please read that one. I, no, trust me, like, I literally have the next, like, five of them downloaded in, on Audible right now. Uh-huh. Literally all I'm going to be doing for the next, like, three weeks until I get through them all. Harlow's is wild. Like, she really, we take a turn on that one. Not a turn, but, like, Ruby Dixon goes for it in that one. So, I mean, I love- yeah, that that's promising because I feel like she goes through for it in everything. Yes. But, like, her extra going for it is like, oh, my gosh. She does such a good job at establishing like everyone in this tribe that you're sort of invested to see who's going to end up mm-hmm. with who. And like, and you're even excited in this one when, is it Megan? Megan and Kashal. Yeah. Hook yeah. Up in this one. And like, even that you're like, Oh, this is so good and sweet. Oh, you know, I do have a question. I forgot to add it um, uh-huh. or make a note about it. So when she goes in the healer's cave, the one girl, Oh my gosh, what was her name? Was it Megan in the cave? I, I believe it was Megan. It was mm-hmm. Megan. Okay, so it was Megan in the cave, and she was getting checked out because she had a abortion on the, the alien ship, mm-hmm. right? Because she was mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. And they're checking if she's okay, and they mentioned the cootie thing is healing her uh, uterus from the trauma. And I'm like, I was thinking about this. How does Kira not think, like, maybe that's happening for me? as well and that's why I'm not resonating yet I could see her thinking her injury happened when she was very young like we Mm -hmm. learned I think was she like I pictured like 12 or 13 yeah Yeah. and her appendix broke so she's probably thinking the damage is too severe too scarred over too like Mm -hmm. like there's no hope for her like she's not gonna whereas it makes sense I just was like man I think my brain would have been like hmm Maybe it's healing mine, too. Yeah. I also don't think the girls at this point really realize, like... And I feel like the coup is sort of, like, this... It, its powers sort of change depending on what the plot needs it sometimes. And I don't mean mm-hmm. that in a bad way. It's just, like, sometimes it has really super amazing healing powers. Other yeah. times, like, it's doing so much it threatens to burn itself out. Like, I think with um Rahash, didn't he... When he got injured, Liz was worried his coup would work so hard that yeah. it would, like, burn out and die in his chest. Yeah, it's kind of the magical element of it does whatever it needs to do. But yeah, that's true. I just, I don't know, when that happened, I was like, hmm, I feel like my brain would have pinged for that a little bit. I was kind of hoping that they wouldn't, like, I feel like resonance is like marriage in this book. And so like, Mm -hmm. you kind of do have to have like the happily ever after. But I was kind of hoping she wouldn't resonate and it would still just be, they would be fine. Like, they would still be a good, like, it would kind of show you don't need resonance or you don't mm-hmm. need to have babies happily but ever after. Then wouldn't we have the issue of Asha? Well, Asha's already resonated to someone, so she's I know, not even but on the her, table. Like, want to like not be resonated <laughs> to whoever that guy was. That's a good point. That is true. Like it probably 
it gets her off the table. Yeah, I think that's why they had to resonate because otherwise Asha wouldn't leave him alone. She gets her own book. Does she really? Yes. When you read her story, like you read like why she's acting the way she acts and like her whole emotional journey. It's actually probably one of the sweeter ones. Like Interesting. It deals with like sort of grief and stuff. So I would highly recommend. Coming off of this book, it's hard to think of her in a favorable light. And I think that's why Ruby Dix like just compliment I guess this is just a compliment fest for Ruby Dixon she does a good job at like making you sympathize with people by showing their perspective Mm -hmm. for sure Ruby Dixon's really good at like turning you around because I felt the same way about Beck who doesn't appear too much in these early books but Beck is Mm -hmm. kind of an asshole she does she does make you like people you think you wouldn't like for sure yeah Hayden as we mentioned the asshole (laughs) oh Hayden for sure but I like (laughs) love the silent I just want to be in the quiet asshole type. So I was on board with him very quickly. He's just, he's just so funny. So they get a group together. It ends up being Kira, Harlow, Ahako, mm-hmm. and Hayden. And they're going to yep. go to the Elder's Cave. Have we explained the Elder's Cave? I don't think. Uh, I don't... Would you have in the last, in book two or not really? They didn't really go to the Elder's Cave. But in cave. book two, they realized that the Elder's Cave was a spaceship, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We learned that the Saku... I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. The, the words were an alien, like a spacefaring species that sort of crash landed on this planet. And they ended up getting stranded here. And they are the current population are just the descendants of that original group that crashed. But their ship is still on there. So they make a trip to this cave because it does still have technology that yeah. can help with like healing things. It answers their questions. It's a really good plot device when you think about it. Cause like, oh, it's perfect. Yes. If you need someone to get healed and you know, the coup itself can't deal with it. They could just visit the Elder's Cave. The men don't trust it, which is kind of hilarious. Yeah, and Harlow goes along because she wants to build a rock cutter. Yes. Which well, I love. Yes. We learned <laughs> like, Harlow's like a mechanic. Yeah. I just love She's like, I want to go to, I want to try and figure out if we can build one of these rock cutter things. And I'm like, okay, I'm here for this. Because <laughs> they are so cramped in that cave. There's I know. Just I mean, no they need room. it. Yeah. So while they're up in there, well, she gets, um, I feel like I went way too fast. It takes them a couple chapters to get to the cave. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of it's like dropping lot. through the snow and camping. Yes. And they end up one night snuggled together in the, um, in the furs and they do some, uh, heavy petting is mm-hmm. the best way to call it, where she really discovers what he's working with. And this is when she discovers that his dildo was accurate to size. Like, Yep. And even thinks about the fact that that was not a lie. <laughs> he did say that he sat there looking at his own junk while he whittled this. I know. And I was just like, I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of dedication to do that, to make that, I feel like. so. They are all really like inordinately proud of their own like cock and spur and it's kind of funny like they have no shame when it comes to their bodies or sex at mm-hmm. all and the aliens are just walking around like yes i have a lovely cock. would you like to see it i'll show it to you so it's pretty amazing it is um we get i feel like this is where like the plot of this book happens yes because you have like kira and Ahako like with their touching moment of him being like okay but i want to be your mate and I don't care if we don't resonate and let's just be mates. And it's like the sweetest. It's really sweet because though I think the overall theme of this book is that Kira is the kind of person who stresses about all the what ifs, whereas Ahako mm-hmm. is the exact opposite. He's sort of like he tells her all the time, you've got to live in the moment. I yeah. would rather have like a whole bunch of happy days 
and remember those than constantly live in fear of like one sad yeah, day. Yeah, I, I, oh, did I highlight it? I had a I thought I highlighted it. Let me see. I had a good quote that he said about that. They're talking about living in fear, and he says, but I do know that living in fear of what might happen prevents us from enjoying what we have today. And I was just like, accurate. And that's like, that's Liz. Like, right? She's terrified she's going to get kicked out of the tribe because she's infertile. Kira, she's terif- yeah. Or Kira. <laughs> is terrified she's gonna get kicked out of the tribe because she's infertile. Um, she's terrified she's never gonna resonate, or you know she's gonna fall for a hako and they'll never like truly be a pair. I don't know. I just was like, he's so sweet, and he says that I think I don't know if it's that same conversation, but he does like he said she's afraid she's gonna get kicked out because she's infertile, and he mm-hmm. has like this moment. He's like, well, we don't kick out. Farley, she can't have a kid or babies. And she's yeah. like, well, she's a kid. He's like, well, we don't kick out my mom or Asha or anyone else who's unable to have mm-hmm. or who haven't had children. So, like, why do you think we would kick you out? You bring more to the tribe yeah, than your body, I think is what he actually says. Oh, I loved that part. Um, I'm trying to think. She had her, like, scary surgery procedure and pulled. they pulled that satellite out. Her giant honking <laughs> satellite on her ear. <laughs> I just, it's just a giant shell that would, like, I turn know. her face. I'm just thinking of like one of those old satellites that people have in their yards, like yes. on her ear. ear. It's like how uncomfortable. And like she's trying to sleep on that. Like the first chapter is just her describing like how she can't sleep on it. I'm like, oh, you poor, you poor thing. Oh, I know it sounds, it sounds awful. awful. Um, going back real quick to sweet Ahako, Kira has this little freak out about how she's a virgin. Yeah, and she like she has this moment where she like right before they leave for this trip, she like. She's like, I got to tell him I'm not the kind of girl who, like, messes around and, like, does all this mm-hmm. stuff for fun. Blah, blah, blah. So she goes to him and she, like, sort of, like, it, she, it sounds like a mild, like, she's just vomiting all these words at him. And he's like, you need to calm down. The word, he, the quote he says that I laughed at probably way too hard was, we did not do very much. It's, like, after they had, like, like felt each other up. And he's like, we yeah. didn't really do anything. So I don't know why you're coming to me with this, like, panic attack. And she's going on and on about how, like, she's not that kind of girl. She can't just, like, sleep with a man and get over it, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are you done vomiting excuses at me? And that's when he pretty much tells her, like, look, I like you. Your your hangups are kind of weird. You're just worried about, you're just scared about being left alone mm-hmm. for really no reason. And I like you. And I'm just going to keep showing you how much I like you. And it, it is incredibly sweet for, like, it giant is. aliens. I just, I think he, uh, I mean, because he doesn't know, like, her own self, like, I guess she's, like, almost slut-shaming herself, even though, like, by being, like, I'm not that way. <laughs> like, she's afraid that she's somehow going to be, like, a whore. <laughs> but he's just, like, I don't understand those concepts. Like, let's yeah. just be together, because I like you. She does, <laughs> he does say that thing. It's, like, why would a man, like, hold it against, why would a man hold you getting your own pleasure against you? Mm-hmm. Which, like, I thought was a really good call-out on yeah. Robbie Dixon's part of, like, slut-shaming and, like, women, you know, 100%. enjoying yeah. their own sexuality. These books are... I mean, that's the whole thing I think about the books is like they're very sex positive. They're very mm-hmm. inclusive. They're very like just earnest. Yeah. About how like about women being happy. I mean, and that's I mean, that's romance, right? It's all about women being happy and getting it, getting some. <laughs> and that's suffering um, because of it. Yeah. And it's like these just like, I don't know, you don't expect it from this weird alien book. <laughs> And I and I'm not doing it justice, but when he's when the narrator says it, when Mason Lloyd says it in his like a Hako voice, mm-hmm. it's, it's just so funny, and it's just so it's so good. If you have not heard these audiobooks, if you've only read the books, I highly recommend the audio performance. I second the recommendation for the audiobooks because 
they have no right, no right at all. I'm just like, seriously, to be so well narrated. I've listened to three on audio now again, and I'm like, these are so good. How would you describe his accent? Like, I may include a clip just so people can get what you I'm need talking to about. A clip. I don't know. It's like it's weird. Vaguely Latin? Yes, vaguely. But not like over the top. It's very weird. Maybe like more Spain Latin sounding? It's got like a Latin lover kind of feel. Like yeah. he's he's doing something. Just a really low key on it. And it's weird. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, and I, I listened to three of the audiobooks in a row, basically. Um, and then I switched, I was switching back and forth on this one. And I was like, each one, they do different voices for the characters. And I like don't know how how they keep it straight yes well and like the woman is also really good like she does Mm -hmm. her male voice doesn't sound like much like mason lloyd's but she does a good like male alien voice and then when she has to sound like the computer yeah it feels Mm -hmm. like it's still like a guy Mm -hmm. and not a woman pretending to be a man I find that men, women do men's voice much better than men do women's voice because mason Uh, lloyd's girl voice is sometimes a little at least he doesn't lower his pitch. He doesn't talk. No, like his that. is okay. Yeah, but yeah, it, it, hers is also like astounding. I just like I don't understand. <laughs> They're good. I, I think there's this thing where like you look at this series and it's so big, you just don't think like it's gonna be quality because the rate at which Ruby Dixon puts out these books is mind-boggling to me. Well, I think the first book came out in 2017. It's been maybe two years, and there's. 18, 17, 18 books in this series? Yeah, like 20, I think. I think it's like 20. Not including the mini novellas um, and the little short stories she'll do in between. Mm-hmm. And not counting Ice Home, the Corsairs, or the Dragon books she also puts out all year. Like, and then she, this is a pseudonym, so she has another, like another, like other series related to her actual USA Today pen name, like, because... She has multiple pin names from what I've gathered. And yes, that's that's all I've gathered. And I'm like, I... how is this woman living? Oh, I forgot to ask you this question. Um, so we talk a bit about like how at the beginning it's just them hanging out in the tribe. What would you what would your like skill be? You're on Hoth. You are here now. You know technology. We are eating raw meat, making clothes out of skins. What would you what would be your like role in the tribe? I would probably be doing the cooking stuff and like experimenting on how to preserve food, I think. And maybe like helping with some of the sewing, but like I can't I can't make garments. So <laughs> I don't feel like I would be useful in that front. So it'd be like repairs maybe and then food. Yeah. I feel like and, I would be food too. And whining. I would definitely <laughs> be whining the whole time. <laughs> This is the book where they find the potatoes, too. So they've got, yes. like, someone needs to be on top of, like, foraging. They don't forage enough, it seems like. Like, go no. out and find some plants and see what can be eaten and what can't. I would be <laughs> from trying a plant I shouldn't eat. <laughs> I'm like, no, it's going to be fine, guys. And then two hours later, they find me just, like, laying there. Curled up in a like, ball. shit. <laughs> She ate those berries. (laughs) Yeah. The berries we bathe with, which still blows my mind. Sounds kind of nice, though. Well, like... You just kind of crush them up and you got soap? Yeah, and they also scare off the the crazy fish that'll eat your face. True. So they've got multiple purposes. 
Um, so we are leaving for the ship. They get on the ship. I like how like the men just do not trust it. Um, no. They don't trust the ship. Hayden's like these walls keep talking to me when I just want silence, which is a pretty great. <laughs> Speaking of book four, this they set up some pretty good clues. So you haven't read it yet, but mm-hmm. I do want to, and I don't want to spoil it, so we don't have to dwell on it. When they start asking the computer questions mm-hmm. about like you know who's on the planet. Yes. what species are on the planet they set up some good clues about mm-hmm. what's coming up next that's all i'll say so i just was like really like the more i reread these books like this might be my third time reading this one like the more like i discover and the more i see like the more good in it that i find like i thought it was really just smart of her she like set it up to find that there is an extra person out there and i didn't think about it at all the first time i read it like i just oh, sort see, of read it, it it dinged my romance radar of like oh this is <laughs> I just pictured another shell. <laughs> it does. It like comes out of my ear and it's like ding 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 when it knows that like something's gonna come up in the next book. But she just does a good job at like setting it up and I was really impressed. Um so let's just get into like I guess how do you we could either talk about the sex all the sexy scenes next and how that works, or we could talk about the big action scene. We can talk about both. Just which one do we want to do? Let's next. do the action. I feel okay. like because I feel like the sex kind of wraps up the story line. Okay. More okay. than the action does, in a yeah. way. Yeah. I mean, it's romance, right? They got a bone a bunch. Oh, and they do... Well, I mean, they do a lot of heavy petting, and then they work their way up to... Yes, For you're sure. right. Um, so the actions. So we learn... She learns that they're coming back. She was right. They're coming back. And mm-hmm. she hears them on her little ear. And Kira puts together this wild plan. This is the worst plan ever. <laughs> Would you like to share it with us? Like, just what was your critiques with her? No, I just, like, I just, the plan was so, like, because doesn't she, like, leave, want to leave the ship to go on their ship and, like. She gets herself taken hostage. Like, she wants to be taken hostage. And I'm just, like, why, you have this other ship that has a gun on it. Like, just shoot their stupid ship out of the sky. Done. Do they know how to fire the gun? There's a button. It's not even a trigger. (laughs) It's just a button you hit. You just hit the button. I don't know. I just, it was a really bad plan. It was 100% a Kira plan, though. It was. She, for some reason, she has this, like, whole martyr complex. Where she really does. She doesn't want to let anyone know that they're coming back. That's why she has to, like, be super sneaky mm-hmm. about getting to this elder's cave. And then when they, fi- when she finally does tell someone that they're coming back, she's like, no, I have to deal with it. You all stay here. I will go fight them. I will not let them take you. I think it's because she was the longest one on the ship like the original ship that crashed right that wasn't in a stasis pod so i think she has this like martyr mother complex like she does. she's the mother she's gotta like protect everyone and it's just like why you you have this other ship at your disposal why aren't you using it yeah like, she forms this plan with the other computer we also need to highlight that the computer she's on we are told is at least 300 years older than the computer the other aliens are using. I'm just imagining, it's like me trying to like hack into like the government computers using like a Game Boy from 1982. Like, I'm thinking of like even one of those old like laptops like from the 80s that has like the keyboard that comes (laughs) (laughs) Like she's on that and they're on like a MacBook Air like this tiny little thing that has like all this processing power and they're like what are you doing yeah you are not taking that down with that but she does so her so her real plan is i think she gets some chemical and from Mm -hmm. my from what i've gathered 
the atmosphere on this planet is really poisonous and it sounds like the ship like condenses it and it's like mm-hmm. gathered some of the poisonous element and like it's i don't know vents or something so she goes on she lets herself get taken hostage hayden gets shot it's pretty dramatic she lets herself get taken hostage she goes on the ship she like drops a few drops of this very dangerous chemical into the air supply and then she waits basically for it to take effect and she's freaking out this whole time because she has no idea if it's working or not mm-hmm. it's, it's like hours later then she learns it very much did work because they come to drag her out of her holding cell and she sort of like just sort of takes over the ship from there she shoots mm-hmm. the guards she takes the ship she sets it not on an autopilot she may just like set it and then like press the gas and then leave and it runs into the mountains while she escapes on a through an escape pod it's mm-hmm. very very dramatic 100 percent. ruby dixon was like watching a lot of action movies <laughs> when she was writing this one and was just like yeah i got this <laughs> like like it reminds like, me of like the uh, first star trek movie that the reboot that came out I've like not when, seen it. Oh, well, I won't spoil that one either, but it's very action heavy in space. Yeah. And like, yes. No, this, it, it makes me think of like, when I played like Mass Effect and stuff, some of it would be very dramatic. Same thing. Like, you're just like, this is ridiculous, but I love it. It was really good, though. I loved it. I well, loved No, it's well done. She she has like a skill for the action and for the romance stuff. So for sure. We do see down on the planet, Ahako, who has no idea what's going on. He sees the ship crash and assumes the worst and assumes that Kira has died. Mm-hmm. His, in my opinion, his reaction's a little understated. Like he loved this girl and he just like falls to his knees and he's like, well, I guess I got to keep going. <laughs> like, is that, am I alone in that? No, it is understated. Like, I feel like he should have been more upset, but I, then, but also is he just in shock? That could be it. Yeah. Like, is that really what it is? You know, like he's truly just in shock and we forget how shocking it would be to just like witness that maybe but i don't think i would be like oh i have to keep going on i think i'm just gonna lay here for a bit he does doesn't he think like it'd be so easy for me to roll over and just be done yeah yeah he has to get up and take Hayden back though that's the i think yeah. that's the only I think thing that's, that's maybe his him. driving force right is like i gotta get him back because he needs to get help for his uh gunshot wound <laughs> lying there um bleeding out do they know do we know what color their blood is no i kind of pictured it as just dark blue that's like my guess yeah that's a very valid yeah. question i just wondered that i was like do we know is he like laying in a pool of whatever colored blood <laughs> on and the I, snow and like i don't that's a valid qu- i didn't even think about it until you asked so I don't know. I just had that thought. I was like, he got shot and there's no mention of like blood or anything really. Yeah. Or what color would be. Hmm. He must have a very severe injury too, because like we don't hear him like he's not whining or anything. He doesn't attempt to get up. He must have been like, he has to be like down and unconscious. Yeah, for sure. Um, this is a complete aside. So Ahako sends Harlow off to make a Travoy and Mason Lloyd cannot pronounce the word Travoy. And I just, he pronounces it Trapois. <laughs> what? I will include a clip to that too, if I can. If you listen to the audio, every time Ahako is like talking about, he's like, I have to get him on a Trapois. And I'm like, why are you pronouncing it that way, my guy? He calls it Trapois. And I, it, 
You know what? I very think very endearing. Rahut, rah, uh, <laughs> the names. Rahash. Rahash's book. <laughs> I think he did do that in the audio when I was listening to it, and I was like, what? Yes, yeah, so Mason Lloyd cannot pronounce Travoy, and I love it. It's very endearing. Oh, it's adorable. Plot-wise, I do like the idea of, like, they have mourning traditions. Like, so he mm-hmm. sort of briefly talks about how, like, he's going to make the marks on his horns. I always forget mm-hmm. about the horns until someone mentions them. He's going to make the marks on his horns. He's going to put, like, ashes on his face to, like, and sing the mm-hmm. mourning song for a dead mate. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah. she, she does a really good job at, like, building this world in this completely different mm-hmm. culture. For sure. And, like, this whole new thing that we're, like, you're learning enough about it in each book that you're, like, putting it together, like, what their traditions are, I feel like, without it being, like, too much. Uh, let's see. Okay, then what? We have lots of sex. Oh, there's so much this. sex at the end. <laughs> and at the end. Like, I mean, I think there's a craft in Ruby's Dixon's sex scenes because, like, they work in a weird way. And you would not think that, like, seven-foot-tall alien men... And tiny human women would work as well as they do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's talk about. <laughs> like I mean, okay. So Kira is like they said average. So what? She's like five seven. I would imagine like five. Yeah, five six, five seven. Okay. So I'm five two, or five three actually. Let me put it that way. And I'm thinking about like all my friends who are my height, shorter, taller, and a seven foot tall person. Like that would not work. <laughs> I just, every time they talk about kissing, I try to, like, figure it out in my head. Someone has to be standing on something. Yeah, like, I don't know how anyone reaches anyone. Because, like, my husband is 6'1", and sometimes that's annoying. (laughs) Like, I don't know how that works. And not only are they tall, they're extremely broad. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's, some of them have, like, they're bigger than others, but they're, like, very broad-chested Big arms. I'm thinking of, like, basketball players, but, like, really, really broad. Like, if you put a football player upper body on them, like a a defensive guy. Or, like, like a seven-foot-tall bodybuilder. Yeah. Like, the mountain from uh, Game of Thrones or whatever. Like, I just don't... Like, my brain. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, this shit would be obnoxious. Yes. And then on top of that, they've got, like, the plating. Mm Mm-hmm. Which... I learned on a reread also covers their dick. I don't know why I never picked up on that piece of information. I didn't realize the dick was well, yeah, also there's ridges. Yes, but I didn't right. know it went down. And I guess that makes sense. It protects their quote unquote vulnerable huh. areas. I didn't think about that either. Weird. So they've That's got why the... they have a spur there. It's from <laughs> And so they've got the plating. They've got the horns. Yeah, which like the horns are fine, like whatever. I don't mind the horns. Yeah, those are the least. I I have no feelings on it either way. Yeah, mind you, I did read like all the Immortals After Darks, and I really liked most of the demons. So maybe that's why I don't care about the horns. I'm like, whatever, (laughs) horns are fine. I feel like if you have to pick, you know, like whatever, horns are you can live with horns. Um, they're also like downy. Like, their fur, they're routinely talk about how their fur feels like suede. Or not fur. Oh, my God. It's not fur. How their skin feels like suede. There's a <laughs> lot happening. I'm not thinking happening. about those fuzzy blue aliens. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're when you describe them that way, they lose uh, just a scotch of the sexiness when you call them fuzzy blue aliens. It's like when you learn that the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were supposed to have feathers. And yeah. it, like, changes everything. 
It kind of does. Um, so yeah, they are like that, and then three, four fingers on each hand. It's so weird. Yes. And four, to- three toes or four? three toes? I think. I think it was three or yeah, I can't remember. He uh, Ahako did like a comparison about it, and I totally forgot what it was. Yes. Well, because the when they're camping out on their way to the elder ship the well he because he gets mad at himself he's like well i was busy busy playing in the furs with kira we learned that some other alien had come had come down to the planet and was walking outside the door of their cave because they see footprints mm-hmm. and so he compares like their three-toed footprints to to um his three-toed footprints is this gonna be who shows up in book four no oh. i think it was the aliens who were okay oh yeah who came and got them originally because they sort of describe what are the aliens from, as what I could tell, just must be birds. Just like sentient so birds. So I just, <laughs> this whole series, I imagine the aliens that kidnapped them as the like Area 51 alien. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I read it, that's what I pictured. That's all I can picture now is that they are all like X-Files, Area 51 aliens, like the weird heads. I don't know. That's what they are in my head. That's more serious than what I think. I think, um, you know that basketball mascot that's like like the Who's-Its? Let me look it up. Uh, oh, I know what it is. It's not basketball. It's hockey. It's the new hockey. Uh, oh my God. I know his name and I love him. Gritty? Yes. Okay. So whenever she describes the quote unquote basketball aliens, I sort of picture like basically the Gritty, the mascot with like a giant basketball head because I just picture them orange with like bumpy skin mm-hmm. and then these other ones who I'm just super amused <laughs> at the idea of pretty kidnapping 22 year old women yeah and it is and it is intergalactic <laughs> human sex trafficking yeah and then the other ones I just picture as giant birds because we're routinely turned they chirp like birds they have three-toed feet like they're just they're I don't just... know I, in my head they're all variations of very 51 <laughs> So you're, you're, you're uh, imagining a Ruby Dixon's world from what I've learned is a lot more serious and realistic than my interpretation of it with the satellite I think I just ears. heard, you know, it's like those aliens you always see and I go, okay, cool. All of the ship aliens in my brain just turned into Area 51. Uh, I mean, the raid just happened on it. It's fine. They had their big party. Um, I don't know. I don't know why and now i'm just picturing blue fuzzy aliens and it's all very <laughs> nonsense or like gonzo from the muppets like oh that really ruined it i'm gonna ruin this for everyone uh we're you're gonna be three episodes and everyone's gonna be like you guys are all wrong on everything you're saying props look i mean i mean that's what's so fun about it is just like she describes everything to a point but there's mm-hmm. still enough room for you to be like, oh, that's that's wacky. Like, you can go wacky with it. You can go, like, really high sci-fi with it. <laughs> Apparently, my entire matching is just, like, a really bad B-movie. And I'm... And I, oh, and 100%. I like I'm, like, thinking of, like, really crappy prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> like, half glued on. <laughs> like, just, just strangeness. Like, I mean... God, she's so good. She is. Before she's we, so good. Before we get to the sex, I do want to do one more thing about the plot. Because... Mm-hmm. Ahako sends Harlow to go make a trevoir, as Mason Loy calls it, mm-hmm. um, to help haul Hayden back to the village so he can see the healer. She goes missing. And she goes missing, 
and people do not give a single, pardon my language, but I just, this is the everything I they do not give a single fuck. Like, Carla goes missing, and everyone's like, I never thought she'd be that kind of person. No one takes any time to, like, consider maybe she was grabbed, maybe she fell, maybe she got injured, maybe these aliens that are running around came back and got her. Like, she goes missing, and everyone's just like, oh, that's sad. Hopefully she'll come back. Like, I think Georgie at one point is like, well, maybe she'll show back up. And I'm like, you're the w- leader of the women. Can you be a little more? <laughs> I Yeah. It bothered me at the end of this when it's like, oh, she's just gone. And no one's like sending a search party. Right. But like, you know, when Liz went missing, they had like search parties out. Yes. Thank you. And, like, they went and looked for her. And, like, poor Harlow, they're all just like, well, the, we- the snow's coming. We can't send guys out there. The the weather is, it looks terrible out. And they just sort of leave her. And I know, look, at, you got to get this plot moving forward somehow. I know Ruby Dixon has to keep things going. But at the same time, I was just a little irked mm-hmm. with everyone. Especially Ahako, because he turns on her on a dime. Yeah. He, he's like that flighty, foolish female. And I was like, my guy, you don't know what happened to her. It's the worst. Yeah. So, I don't know. Uh, I almost said R.I.P. Harlow. She's not dead, but like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now we don't know. Yeah, we're sorry, Harlow. You, you deserved better than to just be like sh- dumped by the entire tribe. 100%. And then, you know what, though? There's some irony in that because like he literally, like Hako told... Kira that like they wouldn't just abandon her and yeah. then they just abandoned Harlow <laughs> I'm mad all over again for Harlow I just think that too, I just thought that oh my god like he literally this whole huge speech about how we won't abandon you and like, then Harlow yeah. goes missing and like bye they assume the worst in her immediately like we also know that there are giant like yeti like creatures living on this planet they call mm-hmm. them Midlax and that they're extremely violent and unpredictable and the hunters know this no one considers that so I thought those were like Banthas from Star Wars <laughs> <laughs> my brain has crafted a very weird planet and that's what's so fun about it it's like you can just make it whatever you want I just picture them as sort of like the giant like I guess mine is not as mature as yours. Remember the abominable snowman monster from Monsters, Inc.? Oh, I love Inc. that even more. <laughs> from Monsters, Inc. Him, but, yeah. like, evil. Yeah, no, I like that even more, though. Maybe that's what I'll switch it in my head to when I'm listening. <laughs> but, like, they know he's out there. They're out there. Mm-hmm. It's also snowy and icy and cold. They just immediately, immediately. They're like, bye. Oh, I was like, I guess. shit about you. Exactly. Ugh. I get mad for Harlow all over again reading this book, so... Harlow deserves better. She does. That's that'll be the tagline for this episode, and I guess the next episode too. So, um, but yeah. So they go back. They're like, "Well, I guess she's gone." And they decide to split up the the cave because there's mm-hmm. so many of them now. They have this like summer home, not summer home. That's an exaggeration. They have the southern caves. So they yeah. split up the caves, and Ahako and Kira are going to be sort of like, I guess like I would think like the JV varsity. Yes, leader, I, basically. I would agree with this. Yeah. So they go and they pick, and they pick a, they pick their home. And while they're there, is this? I think this is this is not the first time they have full on penetrative sex, though. No, because they do that in the alien ship in the elder cave. It's, I know it's not an alien ship technically. They but, keep calling it that. Know, back at the other spaceship. <laughs> I did kind of like the meet the parents scene. I thought that was cute. It was. Very I love sweet. his parents and his yes. family. 
They were so sweet. Is his dad's name Ocean? Because from the way the narrator was pronouncing it, he's like, Let's my father, Ocean. I don't know. Um, but there is a quote where, like, so Hako has been severely injured, and, like, he's sa- he's waiting to go to the healer until he knows Hayden is going to be better because he doesn't want to mm-hmm. distract the healer. And his mom is like, oh, you know to go get you need to go get taken care of. You, you have to have, you have a pretty mate to take to your furs. The last thing you want is to spend your time moaning in pain. And then Ahaka goes, not when I'd rather just spend it moaning. eh?" And I'm like, (laughs) and Kira herself is like, I cannot believe he just made that joke to his mother. And it's like, everyone's getting a good chuckle out of it. And Kira is just mortified. Mortified. I mean, it's very human of her to be mortified of that. I feel like, um, I'm with her. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm 50-50 on it because my, my parents are wildly inappropriate. <laughs> um, I've had to explain pegging to my mother. Oh, wow. Because uh, of Deadpool. <laughs> That's a fun conversation. And then my dad wanted to know what it was and I refused to tell him. And then, yeah. So that's why I had to tell my mom because he kept asking and I was like, please don't Google it. Or do. I mean, you do you. I don't really care, but... <laughs> They found uh, my parents wouldn't make quite that level of dirty joke, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like they're like the step down from that. So I was like, oh, that's kind of embarrassing to beat the endless. <laughs> and they're already making sex jokes. Yeah. Well, but I mean, at the same time, you live in a cave and you just hear everyone getting it on constantly, right? Yes. No one has any privacy. You know what's happening. That's what they say. Like when Megan and Kashal Kashal start resonating, they're like. Mm-hmm. They need this room. We gotta go. Basically, it's what they do, and they just close the door on them. It's like, well, they're they're occupied. Let's let's give them a few hours, and then we'll check in on them. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like everybody knows what you're doing. So, could you imagine just trying to get a good night's sleep in that cave? Like, good God. Oh no, it's awful. I would never. Oh, it'd be the. It literally is like the my nightmare situation as an introvert. Like shoved around a bunch of people. Like, you can't sleep because everybody's boning, and it's just, it's a really bad college dorm situation. I'm kind of like, I would, you know what, I would probably live on the ship, honestly. And I don't know why. Like, we know it has living quarters. It has showers. Yeah. It has running water. Yeah, I I would live on the ship. I would be living on that ship. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. And, like, if you had a mate, it seems like they'll follow you wherever you go. You'd be like, look, I'm going to live on this ship. You can do all your hunting. I don't get it. I just feel like there are better living quarters than immediately going to the cave. I agree. 100%. The ship is where it's at. Yeah. I think we've done everything. So I guess now we can talk about the sex because I have thoughts. First, I want to ask your opinion about the way Ruby Dixon refers to woman's genitalia. How do you feel about that? It's fine. I, I have read worse. You know, like, I feel like you follow, um, you probably also follow the Men Write Women Twitter. Yes, I do. So, like, you read stuff on that, and you're just like, nothing in romance can ever be as bad as this. <laughs> yes, so. They it's, were... it's weird. I It weirds me out when they call the clit a third nipple every time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it weirds me out every time. I'm like, no, let's not. Please. Yeah. yeah. And then the vagina itself is called a, it's always a cunt. It's never yes. anything else. And I don't know how, I, and I, this would be a question, like if I ever got to ask her, I'd be like, 
like, why did you pick some of the words that you picked? If that makes any sense. I guess, like, mm-hmm. a better way to ask yeah. would be, like, ex- like, what's your thoughts behind the language of your books? I mean, like, I feel like her honey euphemism is oh, overdone. <laughs> oh, you reminded me. I was so gross. The nectar. That's the thing. These aliens love cunnilingus. And, like, yes. they love telling you how much they love it. It's like, hey. it's so... <laughs> So I will never, ever, like, obviously none of this is, like, shaming anyone's sexual preferences, right? Like, you do you, whatever makes you happy. And I honestly, though, think that, like, romance does a great job of celebrating oral on women. Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't feel like we get that in the real world. We don't, In any way. Like, there is no celebration of, like, just female pleasure. And I think that she has so much oral in this because of that like i think she's trying to celebrate female pleasure more so but it's like sometimes i'm like jesus christ you can please stop now (laughs) i don't i'm good yes like i'm with you i am here for the theory and for the the strategy it's just sometimes the execution gets a little i just would like more than just oral like can you please use a finger as well some more often or like you know not just do that like move on to your full like sex i don't know (laughs) now that you say it i don't think there's a lot of fingering in this series no there's not but ahako does i think it's before they leave to go to the planet he does like finger her and then he licks his fingers yes and he calls it honey again and i'm like we almost had it we almost had it where i didn't have to like at that that use of I mean it's just it's hard right like I I couldn't write these scenes if I wanted to write for sure like I would have a very hard time and I think it's hard to come up with the right euphemisms yes it's it's a thin line between sexy and silly yeah um and she I think she does a good job of weirdly making these giant alien sexy (laughs) work work because like yeah i mean again even if she's five seven and this dude's seven feet tall like what how you climbing him like a tree (laughs) all the time (laughs) i'm mad actually you say that i don't think any of the other girls have ever said that about any of these guys and i'm mad about it now so i hope it's in a book later (laughs) someone needs to say she's gonna climb him like a tree Well, and then I'm just, I mean, there's got to be some tall, I'm hoping there's some tall heroines as I get further in. Yes, there are. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because that sounds great. Yeah. But I mean, even still, like, even if she's six feet tall, there's still like minimum seven foot. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's still a lot of work, guys. Like, I think Shaq is seven feet tall. Shaquille O'Neal. I think so. I've never seen I had a coworker who was six five. Actually, two coworkers who were six five. And they would stand by me and talk, and I would tell them to go. Because <laughs> it's just, like, it's too much. Like, that, it's just, there comes a point in which it's, like, you're so tall. How? How do you function? Yeah. And I'm not talking about, like, just extremely tall people, but, like, seven-foot-tall aliens with horns that probably add another foot. That, yeah, that's what I mean, though. Like, how do they function, really? Like, How big you know, are these caves? I don't know. And then, like, how do you, like, the, the, you can't use Barbies to, like, figure out how they're doing it. <laughs> um, like, you could in a regular romance, I feel like. Because <laughs> they're so tall. Like, what do you do? I don't, I just, the whole, like, uh, 
how they fit does not work in my brain, but she makes it work. Like, if I stop and think about it, I'm like, I'm out. But as long as I'm just, like, in the world and not thinking about it, I'm good. Maybe that's why there's so much oral, too. Just because it's easier to, like, line things up. Probably. Yeah. I think so. Because when they do actual, like, penetrative sex, it's mostly, I think, there's it's mostly missionaries. Sometimes they do, like... No, they like to do doggy, too, because the guys uh, can't do that with their alien mates because of the tails (laughs) we forgot about the tails by the way asha grabs a hako there's a scene i think it's at the very it's either at the very beginning or it's when they return and they're Mm -hmm. like have that meet the in-law moment Mm -hmm. where asha comes and she like just grabs a hako's tail in front of everyone and i remember even as i was reading it i was like oh my gosh that's so forward of her yeah i mean the idea of having a tail is so strange and bizarre (laughs) Oh, yeah, I don't, I mean, the sex is weirdly good for an alien book. It's, it's really well done. And she like keeps it, it usually always moves the plot forward. It's never just, it never feels gratuitous. No. Because I hate gratuitous sex scenes. I hate when like, I want things to move forward and we have to end up in a really long drawn out sex scene mm-hmm. again. Um, And yeah. it has good emotion to it, you too. It does. And I thought it was really well done with her being a virgin, which I like was whatever about. I'm really indifferent on that front of the tropes for romance, I guess. I thought she was, I wish she would just like, would have chilled with it. She was a little bit too like, mm-hmm. I can't, I'm a bird. Like, I was like, okay, let it, you're on a planet, like you're on a planet now with a giant blue. That's the least of your problems. Okay. You've yeah, got, totally. there are so many things happening. Your like lack of sexual experience and, or your concerns about being slut shamed are the bottom of the list. So it just seemed weird that she kept harping on it. Yeah, no, I agree. It, but it was like, it was well handled for that trope for the most part. I mean, I just, I continue to wonder why she didn't try the dildo on herself with her little <laughs> private curtain room. Let's be real. Come on. That, like, you know what? That's a missed opportunity, I feel like. I it really was like a missed opportunity. Like, she should have had a self pleasure scene in which she masturbated with that dildo. And like now that Come you on, say baby. it, now that you say it, it seems so obvious. Like why I mean, not? I don't like maybe. I mean, I didn't know if like I'm weird for wanting that, but I was like, I really wanted that. Well, like just even as a writing, like you've you've introduced it. You said it's like Chekhov's gun, right? You've introduced yeah. it's Chekhov's dildo was introduced at the beginning <laughs> of the book. Somebody's got to use it, and like it never gets used. And, like she walks into the bachelorette, <laughs> someone else is using. And it's like, oh, that would like, great too. Yeah, now that you kind of say it, it is weird. Like she never that would have been a good scene. And I don't think I've ever read. I don't think she's ever done that in any of the other books. Any sort of like solo sex scene. I don't think so. And I, I mean, I just, I really that was the one sex thing I really wanted out of this because I was like, he made this. You gotta use it. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's genius. Maybe that'll come up. Maybe she'll write a short story about it because she loves doing. She has a whole bunch of short stories. So maybe if we request. Which, I highly recommend anyone and everyone look at the, like, novella covers because they're all, like, random photos of babies that are blue. <laughs> Photoshopped blue. <laughs> and it cracks me up. And a lot of them no are end. Christmas-themed for some reason. Mm-hmm. So, no, it's yeah, amazing. it's amazing. It's great. It's just, these covers are a work of art. <laughs> it's a dildo is Chekhov's gun. <laughs> that might be your show title. <laughs> And I just, the more I think about it, like, and now I'm like, you're right. Like, 
I just like I don't like I said I was like am I just like really dirty no <laughs> being like why didn't we use this no come both, on both as a reader and as someone who's writing like you've got it there like she's nervous about like the physics of this like I will admit should... I would have tried it <laughs> like come on like why not also you're stuck listening to everybody get it on like why not just do it to yourself yeah like treat yourself yeah so i don't know that's weird because the dildo disappears and doesn't come back well not disappears but it's dropped from the story <laughs> and then it comes back it completely when they're vanishes for a while it comes back when they're picking like their ca- their space in the new cave mm-hmm. yeah and so like that's sort of like their this is our home she pulls it out and sets it on a shelf <laughs> And she's like, this is our home. And it's like the, it's strangely romantic, even though it is like a giant arm sized dildo. Yep. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was sweet. Imagine if that was how, again, I'm just saying That's modern you- dating could be fixed a lot. <laughs> you just have to get presented with a dildo. No. There had- you put it on your mantle when you get married. Do you- or move in together. This is how you know we're cut, we're together. Do you think there's someone out there making personalized dildos? Like there has to be. So you know there's um bad dragon toys? Oh no. Oh no, I don't. Yeah, there's dragon dildos. <laughs> Do I Google um, that? I guess I'm Googling it. It's called Bad Dragon. <clears throat> they oh. custom make toys. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't know about this. I did not. Um, I'm very happy to expose you to this. Uh, they make really interesting toys. And messenger bags. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never seen one in person, but I would love to go to an event they are at so I could just kind of, like, stare at it and be like, this is terrifying. Um, yeah. So they make, like, all kinds of weird and interesting toys. Oh, they actually kind of have one could be what their spur is um it's just like the wrong direction of a human oh yes you know what like if it was like flip you know like i i feel like that's that's it yeah this is wild my search history (laughs) so i'm actually shocked she has not partnered with (laughs) to make these merchandise opportunity i do like how you can pick your choice of color and many of them have glitter yep 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 it's uh it's something. It is really, really something. It's um This is the quality content I was hoping this podcast would generate. <laughs> exactly. I don't know how I feel that I'm the first one to be like, so you've never heard of, of these dildos? Uh you know, you do you in the bedroom. <laughs> and we are not shaming anyone who owns a bad dragon dildo. I'm proud of you because yeah, I'm yeah. way too afraid to ever order one. They just kind of scare me a little bit. I do like that they also have a unicorn horn. I'm like, you know, fantasy is weird. You like, you do your fantasy and like, and if that's, and if it works for you, you do you. I just, mm-hmm. some of them look very intimidating. They do. I, I'm very afraid of most of them. I just think a lot of them are very kind of intimidating. I don't know. There's a lot going on. 100% think the one I just sent you, if it was slipped the other way, would be the equivalent of their dick. I think that's it. And I'm, I'm going to have to include it in the show notes because I yeah. feel like everyone's going <laughs> to so, want to see. So, yeah, I think Ruby Dixon needs to partner with them and have her own line of ice 
and dragon dildos. Dildos, exactly. Because her fan group is rabid. Oh, I'm in a Facebook group. I am too. Oh, we're probably in there too, in the same one. Yes. And there so, are people yeah. with spreadsheets that lay out the family lines. I, they're, they are really in the lore, and I they're respect it. They're super in, and I admire them. <laughs> so, question for you. Is this like an MCU situation where the Ice Planet series, I know it ties into Ice Home, but do you mm-hmm. think it ties in with the Corsair series too? Is this all I like, think so. And then the dragon? Is this all one Ruby Dixon universe? I think so. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I have to suspect. I mean, it has to be, right? Like, it wouldn't make sense otherwise. And she's done a lot, like, to cross over. Like, there's dragons in Ice Home. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like they probably do. There is a book. Like, not to spoil things too much, but there is a book, I mean, it's not really a spoiler, where, a course, like, someone who feels like they belong in the Corsair series, like, they're, like, a modern, because we know that the Saku in this book are just sort of primitive versions of, like, the Corsairs mm-hmm. in the other book, where their ship sort of, like, crashes on this planet, and they make repairs, and they run into the tribe. And mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting, because, like, it's kind of interesting seeing, like, the old and the new, and, like, how they've diverged. Yeah. So that's what made me think, like, this must take, it's all one giant universe. All these people, in theory, could meet. Except the dragons take place on an apocalyptic, like, hasn't Earth been destroyed by that point? Earth is, like, somewhat destroyed. It's, like, colonized by dragon aliens. And they have, like, a den in a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the scenes I remember from that series is, like, he, the dragon, like, wants to make his mate happy. So he takes it to, like, an abandoned mall and she goes shopping. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> that series is wild. Um, and what if that all tied into Kit Rocha's Beyond <laughs> Apocalypse series? It'd be amazing. This is like the parallel universe where like dragons happen yes. in the apocalypse. And then hers is like the people are surviving and getting into threesomes. <laughs> you know, it works. I, I almost, I'm afraid to be done. I'm not afraid, but I just don't want to be done with it. But I'm done with it. So we sort of talked on this. This is not the craziest thing you have read. You've, you said you've, done a bit of dabbling in the sci-fi paranormal romance world yeah i would so <clears throat> i do think like ruby dixon rates high on the banana pants scale of like bonkers but like i have read so like i mean i read so much and i've read so much romance and i've read like some really bonkers like erotica bdsm books that are pretty wild that rate possibly higher than this. I think in some ways the Sinner series by uh, Tiffany Reese is honestly more banana pants than this, but it's a lot more like high on the trigger warnings and content warnings than this is and a little bit harder of a read. I don't know. Like it's pretty crazy though. And I've definitely read dirtier, but it still rates like eight to nine on the scale of 10 (laughs) for sure. I was going to say, I think the thing that makes this one different is like, it's just, Ball, it's a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. She has a lot more comedic lines. It's a lot more fun, and she just sort of openly embraces it. We're not here to do. It's not an excuse to have crazy alien orgies. It's no. an excuse to do things like cultural misunderstandings, where he presents you with a bone dildo. Like that's yeah, like, no, hundred percent. Like, and it's here. Like, none of these books I feel like are here for like giant orgies or well, weird of- sex club things or any like. It's just, it's weird. They're so, they're balls to the wall. Like, there is a dedication and commitment to the writing in all Mm -hmm. of her books that Mm -hmm. is 
astounding. I kind of love it. I adore it. Would you be happy on Not Hoth? Would you stay on Not Hoth? Could you see yourself? No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Kill me, please. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot. Like, I would be, I would be hating. I would be like, I just need to sit here in the quiet. Leave me alone. <laughs> Stop talking to me. Like, okay. sometimes when no one's at my house, I just sit on the couch and quiet and it's beautiful and I'm just like oh this is nice no people yeah like you know like you had a big day at work and like just people everywhere and it's just like suddenly you have a moment to sit and be quiet I'm like oh I get this (laughs) I need this so yeah I don't I don't think I would stay which like I mean I think I would bone an alien and then I'd be like okay I'm done bye bye peace I just like I need running water I need a real bathroom um, he does get her that snazzy bathtub made out of a skull. Do you true. remember? <laughs> she was so true. And he's like kind of like amused by how impressed she is by it. Yeah. I mean, I still feel like I would want like a real shower in a real toilet. I can see at that. At the end of the day. I just, I can't do it. I could not go, I can't go back in time. Like I like a real shower and I like a real toilet. <laughs> like it's just, I don't want to be squatting outside in the snow. I also, I hate cold weather. Like, I'm, I'm always cold anyways so then like going somewhere colder is just not a good plan for me so you would probably be like claire who is implied never leaves the cave yes at all. exactly yeah. except for i would also be like oh my god it's so loud here can everyone please stop boning <laughs> for, for one night can we just sleep yes can we just ban all sex for one night so i can sleep once a month like please <laughs> please yeah, it would be really bad. Awesome. And you are going to keep reading it, so I'm very Of course. Yes. I ha- I mean, I have to. Like, there's actually, this podcast existing means I have to because I just, like, I have to listen to them all. Yes. So I have to read them all. Yes. I'm it's, so excited. Oh, I'm so pumped to continue. It's <laughs> so fun. Awesome. Well, thank you for spending an hour and a half of your day to talk about Fuzzy Blue Aliens and their sexcapades with me. I Yes. Truly appreciated. So let's, where can people find you in Romance Sparks Joy? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Le Petit General. Um, and the Romance Sparks Joy Twitter is Spark Joy Romance. I had to think about it for a minute. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Spark Joy Romance. So be sure to give us a follow over there. And then you can also find us on RomanceSparksJoy.com. You can also find me on YouTube. I do BookTube for romance books at Happy For Now is the channel. Um, if you search like channel happy for now, it should pop up. I do videos once a week, give or take. Um, I'll probably, you know, talk about my full reread when I finish on there. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to Uh, promo that. Yeah, that's, I definitely will have to like do a full ranking of all the books. I feel like once I finish my read through. Oh, that would be fun. Or like some kind of superlative too, like. Yeah. Most improved, like mm-hmm. in terms of the aliens, like class clown, like. You got it. I will do this. I'm committed to this. I'll do it. That would I be I will fun. do a superlative award. Um, I will dedicate the video to you. Oh, awesome. Because it's your idea. I so there you it. go. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's mostly where I'm at. I'm just out there on Twitter talking about romance books generally. Awesome. And sometimes yelling about pegging. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, who, who? which one of us has not done that ever? Um, I mean, really, it's just... The hidden gem of romance. <laughs> um, and you know what, now you say that's that's got to come up in this book at some point, um, in this series at some point. So awesome. Thanks again. Thank 
you for joining me. Thank you again, listener, for listening. And I will, we will chat next time. Bye. Bye. Ha <laughs> Chekhov's dildo. I cannot wait to see what tops Chekhov's dildo. So yes, that's my favorite part of this episode, obviously. Um, oh, a little note, just some behind the scenes. I recorded these episodes out of order, so it's actually kind of amusing to me to hear me say <laughs> like some of the same points and discuss them over and over. So yeah, we get another discussion of Mason Lloyd's accent, but I do believe this is the last one. These first three episodes were really all of us feeling our way. Everyone wanted to talk about the spur. Everyone had to talk about the worm. It's, you know, we worked through it. Speaking of Mesa Lloyd's accent, I tried to get that clip of him saying Trevois, however he says it, whatever fun way he has of saying it, but I could not. Um, I may just record it on my phone and share it on Twitter because you really got to hear it to believe it. And do not think for one second that this is me mocking him. Um, you've heard me on this recording. I cannot say words, period. So I am not mocking the professional who just has a fun way of saving Trevoy, but I, it's endearing and I want you all to hear it. Also, another correction. I say in the episode that I was in a, I am in a Ruby Dixon Facebook group. Um, I was in a Facebook group when this was recorded, but I'm not anymore. I'm not even on Facebook anymore. So, you know, new year, same me, but with fewer social media accounts. I just wanted to put that out there in case these episodes somehow find their way there. It's not me. You don't have to worry about it being me. Say whatever you want about the podcast. It's totally a safe space. Don't have to worry about, you know, feelings or whatever. I won't see it. So I'm taking a step back because boy, can I waste some time on Facebook and I don't need to be doing that. I got, I got stuff to do. So um, as always, thank you again for listening. Be sure to check out next week's episode. I'll be joined by Aaron from the Learning the Tropes podcast. Fun fact, um, that podcast was one of actually the first, was one of the first romance podcasts I ever heard discuss the series. So please be sure to check that out. Um, they read and discuss book one and they actually created a whole test of alien attractiveness based on Bechdahl. So it's a, it's a real good time. Um, that's all I got for you. I think this was another successful discussion. Um, and I can't wait until next week until then. Bye.